On episode 326 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to stop playing tentatively during matches. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, I hope you're having a great day and are getting to play a lot of tennis. I've actually been doing that quite a bit lately. Had a match on Sunday and on Monday and last week as well, on Friday too. So yeah, a lot of tennis going on lately for me. And today I wanted to tackle a very important subject, something that really bothers a lot of you and myself as well. It's a tough one to deal with, and that's how to stop playing tentatively during matches. And so, of course, most of you have undergone, you know, the symptom, if you will, of where you play really well during practices, and then all of a sudden it's match time, and then you start thinking about all these extraneous things, and you uh, get more emotional, you get tense, you get nervous, and all of a sudden you're not able to play your normal game. You're not able to play freely like you do in practice. And I want to give you a little story. And by the way, this episode was inspired by a recent live stream that I did with my good friend Peter Freeman and Gigi Fernandez as well, both good friends. And Yeah, so that one was about how to close out matches, and that made me think about how important it is to talk about, you know, playing tentatively. And the story is that several years ago, um, and and I'm a 5-0 right now and have been for many years, but back before when I was a 4-5 somehow, I think a few years after I, um, you know, law school where I had stopped playing, uh, a friend's captain, just, I don't know what he did, but he got me to be a 4-5. But when I played tri-level nationals, I played this match with my best friend, actually, Victor, and we got to a third set. I think we won the first and lost the second. I don't remember which way that went, but third set, I think it was against Texas, and we were up 9-7. I was serving. So I think I made my first serve, and then the the opponent, a younger kid, it was a younger kid uh, with an older gentleman who was, you know, both very good, obviously, made nationals. And so the, the kid chipped the return, came in, and I had a forehand lined up. And in that split second moment when the ball, you know, b- before it bounced, it hit my racket, I thought to myself, if I can just hit my normal forehand, hit it, you know, in the middle, I think we have a great shot to win the match. And you know what happens when you start thinking about winning the match, right? You tense up, you get tight. And so I dumped that forehand in the net and that was a tough one. So then it was 9-8. They were serving. They served to my buddy Victor. Victor returned it, but it was a tough serve to deal with. So then the server's partner had a volley. 
hit the volley to me and it was a reaction volley. So I don't fully blame myself, but uh, that was, yeah, I missed that one as well. That was a tough one. And then at 9-all, I think we produced a, an uh, error. And then at 10-9 them, we ended up being on the defense and threw up some pretty good lobs, but the younger kid managed to put the last one away. So that was pretty brutal because we won our next, uh, let's see, three matches, I think, in that group. Two or three. But had we, had I, me and Victor won our match, we would have advanced because it was three courts and we lost that one two to one. So very unfortunate. Uh, I'm sure many of you have stories about the, like this at, you know, nationals, sectionals, regionals, local league, whatever match level. But that one was definitely one of the most tentative moments that I've had for whatever reason. You know, I played college, I played juniors, but that one just, yeah, just, that thought just came in my head and <laughs> messed up the forehand there. But you don't want to be playing points tentatively. And had I known a lot of different techniques that I know now through interviewing uh, many of the best coaches and players on the planet, I think things would have worked out differently. And I want to contrast this with a more cheerful story of this past Sunday uh, when I had a match with um, a mixed match with Elizabeth. Shout out to her for our team, uh, Sunday Smashers in Arlington. I actually don't live in Arlington, but I travel there to play because it's fun. But we won the first set 6-3. We lost the second set 6-3. And then in the third set, we played a 10-point tie break. So first to 10, win by two. and. We actually won the, the third set 20 to 18. So it was pretty incredible how long this tiebreak stretched out. I don't think I've had a longer tiebreak in my tennis career. So that was pretty fun. But in that one, there were multiple instances where I, obviously, where I had to step to the line to return on a pivotal point, or also two times I remember stepping to the line to serve down match point. And in each of these instances, I used some techniques. And so I want to go through them with you. And I've grouped them up into four different categories, uh, which I'll just name them right now and go through them. Number one, having a game plan. Number two, having an in-between point routine. Number three is relaxing your grip. And number four is thinking about big targets. So the first category here, game plan, is you do want to think about both your strengths and weaknesses and then your opponent's strengths and weaknesses, as well as your playing style and your opponent's playing style. Because obviously, um, all these factors will help you to create a game plan. And having a game plan is very important because if you do not have a game plan, then you play more reactionary. Like when I was a junior... Honestly, not sure how I got to uh, <laughs> number seven in Mid-Atlantic, you know, number three in Maryland, top 200 in the country. Uh, but it was pure reactionary. Uh, it was just like I was getting every single ball that I could back, just, just getting every ball back, you know, trying to hit forehands mostly. But yeah, just waiting for the opponent to miss more or less. I mean, obviously, I was trying to attack when I could. But for the most part, it was just grinding out points and just knowing that I could outlast everybody. Well, not everybody, but, you know, a lot of players. But now it's so much nicer because I, my brain is filled with all these different tactics and strategies and considerations that I had no 
not even a thought about really. Like the most thought I had strategy wise was I would recognize as a junior, you know, oh, my opponent has a, a weak backhand, so let's go for that. That was pretty much it. But now you can think about your strengths. Okay, I have a sh- strong forehand. Uh, my net game is really strong. My backhand's weak, things like that. Your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Oh, um, they're really good at retrieving, um, but they do not have good volleys, things like that. And then the playing styles as well. You know, maybe you're an aggressive baseliner, you're playing a pusher. I'm sure there's more uh, euphemistic terms. I might have made up that word euphemistic there, but euphemism. But yeah, so things like that. So, okay, maybe my best bet here is to uh, hit a short ball, uh, you know, short chip, make them come in. They don't have good volleys and I can hit a dipper and then win the point that way if I'm struggling to rally with them, things like that. So having the game plan, what it does is it shifts focus away from extraneous things, the weather, people cheering against you, which I had uh, a few days ago as well, nerves, things like that, onto your strategy and your tactics. So now you're thinking about, as my college coach, Keith Purrier, who's now the head coach at Navy, uh, Naval Academy women's team, was doing a great job over there as well, used to say, focus on the process, not the results. Now you're focusing on the process of what do I need to do during this point to win? So I'll get into the exact process that I took after I cover this next category of what I did in the match. But uh, yeah, it's very important to have a game plan and then employ tactics during the point. Now, this next one is having an in-between point routine. So that's very, very, very helpful because as Novak Djokovic said, who obviously record record holder of the most Grand Slams and whatnot, he mentioned in a recent talk that it's very normal for people to lose focus. And so that's a misconception. You know, you hear people say, you, you got to stay focused, stay focused. Like, yeah, that, I understand what you mean, but everybody's going to lose focus. So it's just a normal human being, you know, reaction to things. But what's key is that you're able to refocus. And so what the in-between point routine does is it helps you refocus you know, you make an error or whatever, um, wrong tactic, instead of getting pissed off and th- staying in the past or thinking about the future, you are grounding yourself in the present. And so the first technique within this category of in-between point routine is breathing. So breathing, as many of us know, reduces our heart rate, which will then get us more relaxed, more calm. And so one really great technique that coaches have told me about is box breathing. So that's where you first breathe in for a count of four, and then you hold your breath for a count of four. Uh, Not too long, don't pass out, (laughs) just four. And then you release, you breathe out for a count of four, and then you again hold for a count of four, and then you repeat that a couple times. And that's a great technique. I highly encourage you to use it. And then after I do breathing, uh, employ a breathing technique, then I will feel my feet on the ground. And so this is actually, uh, this one I didn't really do until I talked to Jeff Greenwald on my summit, tennis summit, uh, a few years ago. And that, that one was a re- pretty cool one, feeling your feet on the ground. It just keeps you present and takes away tension from uh, the rest of your body. Usually you'll feel it uh, in your arms and whatnot. But yeah, feet on the ground, feeling that. And then 
you can play with your strings, then you give yourself a positive affirmation, and then you think about the tactic that you want to employ for the next point. So at this point,、uh, this is where I mentioned where I wanted to tell you what I did. So when I was serving at whatever it was, you know, like eleven, twelve, and like I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, whatever points it was like that. This is what I would do. I would,、uh, I would take a breath. I would feel my feet on the ground, play with my strings, give myself a positive affirmation, and then think about the tactic. So what I did when I went up to serve on those match points against was I just wanted to employ a tactic that I was very comfortable with, could execute, and thought was a good one. So after the in between point routine, I stepped to the line and I told myself, "All right." Kick serve into the body, and after that, take a couple steps to my left because I was serving to the ad on those points, and then to hit a forehand deep heavy spin, and just you know work the point that way to give my partner、uh, a volley to hit. And so, but on both those match points, actually, is I did exactly what I said I would do. You know, kick serve, couple forehands. I think actually one of the kick serves produced、um, a floaty. A floated return that my partner Elizabeth put away really well, and then the second one serve return came back a, a few more forehands, and then we got a short ball and were able to capitalize on that. And so this was really key, just you know, in particular the the deep breath and thinking positively, and then having that strategy like this is what I'm going to do because most most players and what I did as a junior, you know. You step.、Uh, you don't really have an in between point routine at all. You just think like, all right, like don't miss <laughs> or some, you know, some,、uh, you know,、uh, not not the best、uh, mentality. Because then, as they say, you know, when when you when you say don't and then something or not and something, usually you're just going to be thinking about the the miss, basically. You know, the word sands the knot. So. Yeah, I would definitely love for you to try this in between point routine and let me know how it goes. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to fifty percent off by going to bluenile.com. That's bluenile.com. And then another big category, actually, that I've been concentrating on recently is to have a relaxed grip. And another technique from Jeff Greenwald. This was actually really cool and eye-opening to so many players.、Uh, this was at TennisCon Live, which was super fun. It was, I believe, in April of this. Year that I went, and it was so many cool coaches. I mean, Peter and Gigi hosted it, and they invited me to come down and help out. And Kevin Garlington was there, Jorge Capistani,、um, John Craig,、uh, Ryan Reedy, Jeff. Obviously,、I'm、trying to remember if I'm missing anybody, but yeah, it was just an amazing time there. And yeah, so one one of the things that Jeff went through is.、Um, I'm not sure if this is the exact term, but essentially relaxation dials,、uh, where、uh, he showed us, you know, let let's grip the racket and feel feel how tense you are right now, and then okay, let's cycle through like different levels. So like 
Level 10 is obviously like squeezing the rackets super hard. Okay, release. And then now try like a five level of, of being tense with your grip. And then, okay, now try a two where you're like super relaxed and so forth. So understanding like what is a tight grip and what is a loose grip. And then from there, you can adjust the tenseness of your grip. And Jeff told us that he would always play his best when he was at a four level of, of a grip uh, in terms of being tense and whatnot. So it, it does vary for different people. Other players might play better with a uh, level six or level five grip. But Certainly, if you have something like an eight or higher, that's usually not going to be good. <laughs> You're going to be too tense and not be able to be free-flowing. And so a relaxed grip is definitely very important to allow you to produce smooth shots, free-flowing, powerful shots. Because if you're gripping the racket too tight, then it's just not going to be able to travel, flow through the target um, or through the um, contact point. So the next, uh, a next technique within the grip relaxation category is something that was very eye-opening for me. I actually <laughs> discovered this really a couple of weeks ago when I took a lesson with my coach, Hyon. We've, uh, we've taken a couple lessons together. He's a great player. I think he played Davis Cup for Syria, but he noticed when I was serving that I had a block grip where you know all my fingers are together. And then he got curious. He said, I am curious, do you use this, this style of grip? Actually, you know what? He didn't ask me that. He said, can you hit a forehand for me? And then I hit a forehand. And he noticed that I was using a block grip with my forehand as well. And so what he advised me to do was to s- spread my grip more. So in particular, to spread my index finger away from the rest of my fingers. Obviously, like it's closest to my middle finger. So to spread that away and just kind of hook it around the grip. And he said, when you think about it, when you grab a bottle, for example, you're not holding it in a block grip with all your fingers together, right? You're, you're spreading your fingers out. And so I found that this spread grip gave me a lot more stability. It, my wrist and arm felt much looser. So really, a really nice adjustment. And the next day, I went on my ball machine and tried to get as many reps as I could as possible. And I'm obviously being cognizant as possible when I'm playing now about that. But uh, I highly encourage you to examine your grip. And if it's in a more of a block type grip, then spread your fingers out, get that index finger away from the middle finger, and you're going to find yourself really enjoying the grip more. It, it certainly may feel a little uncomfortable, obviously, because it's new for you if you are using the block grip, but it will help a lot. And if you look at uh, footage of all the pro players, as so far of the many, many that I've seen, they all have this spacing from their middle finger to the index finger. There's space in there you can see. So um, Rafa and Roger and so forth. Another way to have a more relaxed grip is to focus more on your kinetic chain. So most amateur players are thinking about how, how to use their arms during the, during the swing, but what we should be doing instead is focusing on our kinetic chain, so using our power from the ground up, our legs obviously, trunk, you know, shoulders, all that core. So 
when you do that, then you're immediately going to place way less emphasis and thought on your upper body and your grip. So that's going to help immensely. Also, one thing that seems to go away whenever I get nervous is my footwork. So I notice that my foot is, feet are not moving. And this happened actually yesterday for a, a couple points in the first set. So my partner, Ashley, and I, Ashley's, wow, she played so well. We won a 10-0 mixed match, three and two. And um, yeah, fortunately, I won all my matches uh, this past Friday, Sunday, and Monday. Humble brag. <laughs> but anyways, I just think you probably enjoy hearing the updates. I mean, obviously, I lose too, but happened to win these past three. And yeah, when I was serving in that first set in the middle of it, you know, I served and then got into a forehand rally with the male player, uh, with Bartol. He's a really good player as well. It was on my 5-0 team that went to sectionals and got a, got a nationals bid. But um, yeah, I just found myself not moving my feet at like, so like 15.30 one time and then like 30 all another time. And yeah, I just, you know, I, th- I think I was thinking a little bit too much about how it would be, how I wanted to hold, <laughs> basically. And so my feet started to not move. And so whenever that happens, I immediately tell myself to get my feet moving as intensely as I can. And similarly to the previous solution of the focusing on the kinetic chain, you know, focusing on your footwork will help you to alleviate pressures uh, surrounding uh, a tense grip. All right. And the last category is having big targets. So having big targets is going to really help to alleviate nerves as well, because I find that when I aim for big targets, that gives me more confidence to swing freely. So things like hitting in the middle of the court, uh, at least in singles, but even in doubles, you can aim for a bigger portion of the court and then trying to go for more net clearance, uh, hitting cross court, for example, instead of down the line uh, when it makes sense and avoiding small targets that are near the lines lines, because then you can obviously... Uh, have a higher uh, propensity for hitting the ball out, and then going for depth. So uh, I do think that just thinking big targets is the way to go. Um, similarly, you know, when I was when we were down match points in the 2018 victory, and I served, you know, my forehands as well. I was thinking big targets, high over the net, deep, but obviously not like going for the lines when going deep, and then definitely not in the corner of the court or anything like that, just just in the middle. Um, still far enough away from the net person, but in the middle. And yeah, I think these are all very doable, even in doubles, you know, unless you're playing against the most elite level. And even then you can still, you know, adjust the strategy to a degree. But yeah, those are the four categories. I hope you got value from this one. And again, the keys in my mind, uh, my experiences and talking with coaches and players, the keys to stop playing tentatively is to have a game plan and tactics that you can employ during your matches, having an in-between point routine, relaxing your grip, and then aiming for big targets. So let me know which one of these strategies you like best. Maybe you like them all evenly. Uh, I personally think the in-between point routine and kind of, you know, integrating that with the game plan is going to help you the most. And then definitely try out 
um, ways you can relax your grip more that I mentioned and going for big targets as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope that you enjoyed this one. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that by going to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts uh, with an S at the end. Uh, that's how we get the show to have the most visibility. It just seems that Apple Podcasts is the one that does it. But yeah, any, any review on any platform is great. So I do appreciate it either way. Also want to leave you with a quote by Muhammad Ali. And he said, don't count the days, make the days count. Really like that quote, really good one. Also, uh, if you haven't checked out TennisCon 7 yet, then look for a link in the description of the show where you can click that to check it out. It's a really fantastic online tennis conference with over 40 coaches uh, presenting on various aspects of tennis, including yours truly, um, on how to play singles with more confidence. So yeah, that's it. And thanks for listening. I hope to see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Uh, keep improving your tennis game. This is Mir Bonaranchad, your host, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.